When any one of us reach our deathbed, some very serious thinking will be taking place during those last waking minutes. All the casual conversations about heaven and hell, of judgment and eternity, will turn to sober consideration. I'm going to be gone in just minutes. Now what? You can be certain that all the bold and flippant words about God and his Bible that the unredeemed have offered up throughout their lives, it will be absent. It is the day of reckoning, and the deathbed is a mandatory event, barring the great taking up of the church, and one we must all participate in. To the born again, the deathbed is filled with great expectations, but for the unsaved, it is filled with great dread. Death is certain. Many will have the good fortune of knowing their death is nigh, but a great many die unexpectedly. For most, that is not good. No, no, not good. Dear visitor, have you made your peace with God? Have you been born again as Jesus directs in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, you can kiss the fear and uncertainty of death goodbye and good riddance. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. You will be free. Today, you will be born a very literal second time. This is an infinitely big deal. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Colossians 1, 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Man said, These dumb Christians in their Bible, what a joke! Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,172, that will for the 1,172nd time contend for the marvelous inerrancy of God's beautiful book. Every one of these faith-building features decimate the camp of unbelief while building up the faith of the redeemed. If you are saved, there is someone in particular you would love to win to Christ. God Said, Man Said is a digital gospel tract. Go to the God Said, Man Said search bar top right and type in a keyword or two about a subject that you think your person would be interested in. Your screen will populate with subjects. Pick one and send it to your unsaved friend or loved one. 
God said man said is designed as a Holy Ghost soul winning tool. And every Thursday Eve, God willing, it grows by one. Thank you for coming. May your heart overflow with the beauty of salvation. Every feature on this website revolves around Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, because everything, in fact, revolves around him, and that pleases the Father. Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. If you put the word singularity in the God said, man said search bar, a host of features will populate your screen that will prove that everything visible and invisible from molecules to man revolves around Jesus Christ because this pleases the Father. There is no option B. Jesus Christ is God's singularity. Fallen man's resistance to truth is hereditary. Like mother, like daughter, like father, like son applies here. The M.O. was established in the beginning in the Garden of Eden when our grandmother, in an act of unbelief and in the following act of disobedience, ate of the forbidden fruit as a result of believing Satan's words over God's. Adam followed Eve's pernicious ways. Man's resistance to obvious truth is staggering. Today's professors of evolution, academia's God, have convinced the student body that their first cousin was the mushroom, their second cousin was a banana, and their father was a monkey. Everything on the family tree, mushrooms, bananas, monkeys, and man, came as a result of a big bang out of nothing. The whole class said, wow, isn't that marvelous? Second Thessalonians two twelve through thirteen, excuse me, eleven through twelve, speaks of the mind of man who has rejected God and his word during the very end of time. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We have arrived at the departure gate. A spirit of strong delusion is here, and it is in control. Anything but God's word is and will be the standard of the world, and it is hereditary. The only way of escape is to be born again, as Jesus said, where one receives that new father and a new and glorious promise of everlasting life. How childlike simple. The leaders of the communist revolution could not abide the seven-day week. To them, it was simply an example of Sunday school foolishness. I'm reminded of a last-day prophecy in Daniel 7, verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. In 1792, the Socialists of France, in rebellion against the seven-day week, instituted a new calendar with a ten-day week. It created national confusion and was discarded 14 years later. In 1929, the communist leadership of Russia, in an effort to destroy any attachment to the Bible, instituted a five-day week, which was in the trash can just three years later. The unbelievers have never been deep thinkers. Jesus Christ is the center of everything because this pleases the Father, and the number seven is such an excellent example. 
The seven-day week with a day of rest is established in God's creation week, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Seven is the number of rest and the number of completion, and Jesus Christ is both of these. Jesus promises rest for the soul in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hebrews three eighteen nineteen speaks of those who did not enter into his rest because of their unbelief. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Seven is also the number of completion. God finished his work and rested on the seventh day. Jesus makes this telling statement as he gave up the ghost on Calvary's cross. John 19.30 When Jesus therefore had received, received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. Satan's stranglehold on the sons and daughters of Adam was broken, and salvation was purchased for all who would call upon the name of Jesus Christ when he said, It is finished. Jesus Christ is imprinted on the number seven. He is rest, and he is completion. The image of Jesus Christ is imprinted on all things because this pleases the Father. Biblical numbers have their story to tell with the number seven standing at the very top. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature in the beginning, part three. It's surprising that anyone would reject the seven-day week principle when one considers that a lunar moon which is a product of orbit in space and time, houses roughly four seven-day cycles. Those who suggest the seven cycles comes primarily from a religious root should be advised that the number seven is not imposed on us from the outside, but from the inside. This becomes obvious when you note that plants, insects, and animals also have weekly cycles. The seven-day cycle is not a product of culture. To the contrary, Culture is a product of seven. God places enormous emphasis on the number seven from the very beginning of creation. It is interwoven throughout all of life, to which the following scriptures will attest. The foundation of wisdom itself is the number seven. Proverbs 9, verse 1 reads, Wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. The very beginning of creation was completed in seven days. Noah's new beginning also found itself beholding to the number seven. All animals were taken aboard the ark two by two, the male and his female, except for the fowl of the air and clean beast, which were taken by sevens. 
When the ark finally rested on dry ground, it was in the seventh month, Genesis 8, verse 4. The number seven played a significant role in saving the children of Israel from starvation. Remember, it is through this lineage that Jesus Christ enters the world. When Joshua and the children of Israel began their lives in the promised land, the number seven played an integral part. The following verses in Joshua 6 are in regard to the first conquest in the promised land, the famed city of Jericho, the city where the walls came tumbling down. Now, Jericho was strictly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once thou shalt, thou shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets." And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. God commands Israel to free all Hebrew servants every seven years. The land is required to have its Sabbath of rest. In the seventh year, the land is not to be tilled or sown. In Exodus 25:37, God gives instruction concerning the golden candlestick and its seven lamps that give light in the sanctuary. We see these again in Revelation 1:20 as the seven churches that minister life and light to a dark and dying world. Over and over again, the Bible emphasizes the dominant importance of the number seven. There is a scientific discipline known as chronobiology, which is the research into how living things handle time. It has discovered, amongst the plethora of other things, that countless hormones crucial to human life, processes are directed by an unseen conductor's hand and predictable biological rhythms. Although secretions happen within ultradian and circadian time frames, they appear to occur in seven-day cycles. Perry and Dawson, authors of the book, The Secrets Our Body Clocks Reveal, reported. Weekly rhythms, known in chronobiology as circumceptum rhythms, are among the most puzzling and fascinating findings of chronobiology. At first glance, it might seem that weekly rhythms developed in response to the seven-day week imposed by human culture thousands of years ago. However, this theory doesn't hold once you realize that plants, insects, and animals other than humans also have weekly cycles. Biology, therefore, not culture, is responsible as the source of our seven-day week. Jeremy Campbell, chronobiologist, refers to the father of chronobiology, Franz Hallberg. Franz Hallberg proposes that body rhythms of about seven days far from being passively driven by the social cycle of the calendar week, are innate, autonomous, and perhaps the reason why the calendar week arose in the first place. All of creation, including a whole society of approximately 8 billion people, marches to the beat of a seven-day rhythm. This biological clock is the handiwork of God. Life begins at seven. Why seven? 
Why seven in primitive single-celled organisms? Why seven in bacteria? Why seven in all forms of life? The answer is God's common design in all things revolving around Jesus Christ, his singularity. From the book Inner Time comes the following. The best investigated circumceptive rhythms concern our immunities. The common cold, for example, will last a week no matter how much we spend at the drugstore. Patients with pneumonia or malaria face the greatest danger around the seventh day of their illnesses, and the symptoms of chickenpox usually appear around two weeks after exposure. The immune cells vital for our resistance to infections and cancer, T-cells and B-cells, fluctuate in number on a seven-day cycle. This immune cycle can make a difference if we undergo surgery. After surgery, for example, the amount of swelling that patients experience varies on a seven-day cycle, worsening on the 7th, 14th, and 21st days. Doctors who perform kidney transplants know that the risk of rejection is highest one week after the procedure, and for a while, danger zones continue to occur every seven days. Studies of animals have found similarly timed risk of, uh, for heart and pancreas transplants. In Leviticus 13:1 through 6, God gives instruction to his people concerning the dreaded, highly contagious disease of leprosy. When the disease is first suspected, the victim is quarantined for seven days, then viewed after for diagnosis and so on. Leviticus 15:13 instructs concerning contagious illness and declares that after one is cleansed of his issue, that he should perform a seven-day purification cycle, it reads. And when, he hath, and when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing, and wash his clothes, and bathe his flesh in running water, and shall be clean. In Numbers 31, 19 through 24, commandments for cleansing and purifying are given concerning anyone who touches the dead. They are required to be quarantined for seven days before a final cleansing. The plague that affects so many millions, commonly called yeast infection or Candida albicans, according to many in medical science, finds its remedy in a specially restricted seven-day fast. The pivotal power of seven is just becoming apparent to science. Of course, the Creator understood the secret of seven, as well as the life cycles of contagious contaminants all along. Campbell expounds further on life's rhythms. Perhaps the most intriguing of these body rhythms are those that have a period of about seven days. These circusseptum rhythms are one of the major surprises turned up by modern chronobiology. A central feature of biological time structure is the harmonic relationship that exists among the various component frequencies. A striking aspect of this relationship is that the components themselves appear to be harmonics or subharmonics, multiples or submultiples of seven, a number that has played a disproportionately large role in human culture, myth, religion, magic, and the calendar. The following excerpt concerning HIV patients is from the website listed in the references of this feature. While receiving seven-day-on, seven-day-off cycles of intermittent heart, 
study participants had no significant increases in the amount of HIV in their bodies as determined by tests that measured HIV in their plasma and lymph nodes as well as within immune cells. In addition, patient CD4+, T-cell counts were maintained at pre-study levels and no evidence suggested the development of resistance to heart medications. Importantly, the investigators also noted significant decreases in serum cholesterol and triglyceride levels, which frequently are elevated in HIV-infected individuals receiving heart and can contribute to heart disease and other problems. Mean serum cholesterol and triglyceride levels dropped 22% and 51% respectively after 24 weeks of intermittent therapy. Although more research needs to be done, preliminary data shows that circadian drug administration could reduce costs dramatically, improve effectiveness, and reduce side effects. Consider the fact that approximately every seven years, all the cells in your body are completely replaced. Imagine, your body is never older than seven years, at least until the cells cease to renew themselves. Skin cells live for seven days, and the sevens roll on and on. Science begins to understand creation's secret of seven, end of quotes. The heptatic sevenfold nature of life is demonstrated throughout the Bible. In the book Hidden Treasures, in the biblical text, Dr. Chuck Missler weighs in on the number seven. The reoccurrence of seven, or an exact multiple of seven, is found throughout the Bible and is widely recognized. The frequent occurrence of the number seven is conspicuous, even to the casual reader. We encounter the seven days of creation in Genesis, the seven feasts of Israel, seven days of rain after Noah enters the ark, Seven days between the doves. Jacob served seven years for each of his two wives. Seven kind and ears of corn in Pharaoh's dreams. Seven good years and seven famine years. Seven lamps of the menorah. The seven elements of furniture in the tabernacle. Seven days of the feast of unleavened bread. The repeated use of seven in the Levitical priestly instructions. The seven weeks to the feast of weeks. The seven months between Nisan and Tishra and the seven years of the sabbatical year, and the seven times seven to the jubilee year. The seven priests with seven trumpets circling Jericho seven times in the book of Joshua, seven nations of, of Canaan. Uh, Solomon was seven years building the temple. Naaman was washed seven times in the river. Seven loaves fed the 4,000, etc. In the book of Revelation, we encounter seven churches, seven lampshades, seven stars, seven seals, seven horns, seven spirits of God, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven crowns, seven last plagues, seven bowls, seven kings, and there are many more sevens, much more subtle in their presence. The more one examines the text more closely, the more evident is the reoccurrence of seven, and sometimes in some very surprising ways. Under the heading of Design Challenge, Missler writes, Consider the following assignment. Try designing a genealogy, even from fiction, which meets the following criteria. 1. The number of words in it must be divisible by 7 evenly. In each of these constraints, it is assumed that the resulting divisions are without any remainders. Number 2. 
the number of letters must also be divisible by seven. Not too difficult so far? Let's include a few more constraints. Number three, the number of vowels and the number of consonants must also each be divisible by seven. Getting more challenging? Let's add a few more. <clears throat> number four, the number of words that begin with a vowel must be divisible by seven. Number five, the number of words begin with a consonant must be divisible by seven. Let's add some fancy constraints. Number six, the number of words that occur, occur excuse me, more than once must be divisible by seven. Number seven, the number of words that occur in more than one form must be divisible by seven. Number eight, the number of words that occur in only one form must be divisible by seven. Now let's add some constraints on the grammatical structure. Number nine, the number of nouns shall be divisible by seven. Number 10, only seven words shall not be nouns. Number 11, the number of names in the genealogy shall be divisible by seven. Number 12, only seven other kinds of nouns are permitted. Number 13, the number of male names shall be divisible by seven. Number 14, the number of generations shall be 21, also divisible by seven. A challenging assignment indeed. Could you do it? If you encountered such a genealogy, would you attribute such characteristics as these uh, to random chance? These have all been met in the Greek in the genealogy of Jesus Christ and the first 11 verses of the Gospel of Matthew. The heptatic, sevenfold structure of the Bible has been much studied and is subject of numerous volumes in the past, but none are more uh, provocative than the works of Dr. Ivan Pennon, to whom we are indebted for these observations. The difficulties of matching a corpus of any text to fit the numerical rules are staggering. For each feature listed, there are six chances of failing and only one of success. For two such features at the same time, there is only one in seven times seven or 49 chances of winning. In fact, for each additional feature required, the odds pile up against complete success rather quickly. The discussion of the genealogy in Matthew detailed 14 features, several of which were independent. The odds of a random text complying to only nine heptatic constraints is over 40 million to one. If it took you 10 minutes per draft and you worked 40 hours a week for 50 weeks per year, it would take over 3,000 years to accomplish this task by random trials, end of quote. Jesus Christ is God's singularity, and it is truly demonstrated in seven. One last quote from Dr. Missler's book that you'll find exciting is this statement concerning Mount Moriah, which is today's Jewish Temple Mount. The peak of the mount is a bit further north at about 777 meters above sea level at a place which would later become known as Golgotha, the exact spot where Jesus Christ would be crucified as the offering for sin 2,000 years later, end of quote. God's word is true and righteous altogether. A place to build a life, yes, and it will last forever. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and hallowed it. God said, Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Man said, Those dumb Christians in their Bible, what a joke! Now you have the record. <laughs>